We've had more than once in the past some mails from newbies. Uh, people are That's new- an unusual but- organisation of words there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to start this again. <laughs> no, you won't. You're going to carry on. His name is Yoda. No, start it again. again. <laughs> Your mom. Hello and welcome to Log Radio. What the fuck? What the hell was that? My God, I think I'm deaf. I don't know. I just made it up. It was either that or season two, episode eight. You said something about three episode eight. You said something about bum diggity and my mum. It's off a song. All right, change it to your mum at the end. Okay, boys, introduce yourself. You. I am John O'Bacon. And you are... I am Matthew Ravel. <laughs> no, you're not. I don't believe you are, Matthew, Matthew Ravel. Ma- Matthew, have you started smoking or something? Yes, <laughs> uh, Matthew Ravel is doing his homework, so unfortunately for you, you have me, Adam Sweet. Hooray! In, in, in his defence, it's his and you birthday. Are? And you are? He's and not. so you say happy birthday to Matt, happy birthday to Matt. Happy birthday, Matt. Happy birthday. Sorry you can't be here. Uh, no, sorry, that's a lie. Not sorry you can't be here. Uh, and you are? Glad well, you can't be here. <laughs> well done, Adam. Well done, Adam. For Hope you in. don't come back. Thanks very much. I'm Stuart Language. Thank you. And I'm Ed Bradshaw. What are we going to talk about this week then, boys? <sighs> talk about newbies. <laughs> let's talk about newbies. Yeah, let's, okay. talk, let's talk about uh, your challenges in terms of getting open source at work. Indeed. We should talk to... Jeremy White from Code Weavers. Yep. Mike Hearn from the Auto Package Project. A five-minute catch-up with that young man himself. And let's... New um, segment for you? Let's uh, <laughs> take a ride. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> let's take a ride. Later uh, on... More will be revealed. Sheer <laughs> <laughs> comedy gold. Comedy Stay gold. Stay tuned for that comedy gold. <laughs> LQ, FNY. Yes. Look queer for the new year. Yes, I want to help people out. <laughs> it's our new competition. It took you a bit of a while to start entering. It, it did. Um, but, but <laughs> then you, know, you uh, began to look very, very queer. Yeah. So fair play to it. There's been some cracking entries. Some I brilliant, brilliant entries. So what are they going to win, Aid? They are going to win a load of goodies from Sun. Or from more Sun. accurately, from Solaris. And possibly a few Novell bits and pieces thrown if we've got any left. <laughs> we okay. don't know, though, because Matt's not here. So. Well, so from our massive warehouse of now, corporate tat. We have four winners. I believe. Four winners. Shall I... Um, we can do them in reverse order, in yeah, traditional let, style. Let yeah? me load the first one up. Hang on. Okay. Yep. Bring, bring, the f- bring the first one up. Uh, the bronze winner. The, the bronze... <laughs> you need did to we, scroll down what, a bit, <laughs> mate. Did we decide on um, the colour coding? Yeah, we did. Right. Okay. Uh, the bron- in, in fourth place, <laughs> the, br- the bronze medal... Goes to... You'll have to make that a bit bigger so I can see from here. Let me boost it. <laughs> Keep on talking. Well, okay. Oh, yeah. what, are, what are you doing? <laughs> Very interesting, is it? You Still know. can't see the name, Jono. Oh. <laughs> Thomas Porteous. Thomas Porteous. Thank God. Sounds yes. like a Latin. Thomas Porteous Agrilius. So, well Stigan done Pierre. for that. I'm not sure. Anus. Anus. <laughs> I'm not sure if going through what you went through for that photo is going to be worth winning these t-shirts, but well the, done. You won fourth the, prize. You know, the guy may play for the other team. He might do. So it's a picture of Thomas and um, um, someone... Friend. (laughs) Thomas and friend um, in some kind of... Tennis malarkey. And and, and the pictures will be on the website. Yep, they will. As they were for the last competition. Okay, third place. And the silver medal. This is the silver medal. Third place, silver medal. You know, (laughs) it makes a lot of sense. Ah, You can see we're going somewhere. All will become clear. (laughs) Um, David Nielsen. David Nielsen. Let's have a look. Now, Now, He's even wearing a pink T-shirt. It ought to be pointed out that he's won partially because he's wearing a pink T-shirt and, and, and 
<laughs> strikes the pose. <laughs> but it's also one it's because there's David Pashley in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and David Pashley... This is in your opinion. <laughs> ...just makes the picture look all that more queer. <laughs> so, uh, nice. so it's a double whammy. So you, um, you, can, you can share... You can share your uh, share your, the, the your love. Your love. <laughs> it's one, nice one, the once, again, once again, Jono's views do not reflect the views of Flug Radio. <laughs> oh, We're he, sorry, Pashley. <laughs> isn't he, isn't he also wearing a pink T-shirt? He is indeed. He is. It's oh. it's it's a collection of. Uh, <laughs> he is. Um, it's a fabulous and ensemble. <laughs> I love the name of the image. George the Queer. Dot <laughs> His name's David Nielsen. <laughs> so it, I don't know who it's a picture wasn't of. Wasn't he a serial killer? Oh no, David it's Nielsen. it's his mate. It's his mate. So maybe David sent a picture of George in to us. Yeah, he has. He has. It's, it's not actually David in the picture. Hit However, the backspace button, Johnny. What might be interesting okay. is whether George actually knows that he's been no, sent no, in. No, 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 no. David did say that he had his mate's permission. So I don't know whether David's planning on <laughs> snaffling all the loot for himself <laughs> just for having a mate who runs So they're going to have to share it between David, George, and David Lashley. <laughs> 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 so gold prize gold. goes to someone who yep. we actually the know. gold medal goes to Se- second prize does there have to be that really long pause like there is on the gl- <laughs> Grammys or whatever <laughs> this one goes to well should we reveal what's on the t-shirt first of all to give a clue <laughs> um, go on then Aid. you reveal the t-shirt says I'm the only queer in uh, I'm the only gay in Schwuckluck <laughs> That's right. Uh, obviously referring to Cumbria Lug, which had three members. Yes. Schwuck, Russ and Jen. And Russ and Jen have moved. <laughs> the smallest in the UK. <laughs> so, so he hasn't just put the t-shirt on, he's actually had his hair plaited and yep. he's striking quite a queer pose. So that is yep. Russ Phillips. Well done, Russ. Well done, man for You might even get this prize. Yep. <laughs> Now the winner and the and the winner and proud owner of the, the brown crown, oh, brown <laughs> crown, <laughs> proud owner of the brown crown. Um, you know this wasn't fiddled, was it? You know? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> he did go to the most effort. Let's be fair. This is Bill, <laughs> who's. Um, You'll be able to view the pictures on the website. Judge, draw your own conclusions. Bill's effort is just unparalleled in his greatness. <laughs> it was oh, just. I think Bill. it was just another Saturday night round at Bill's house. <laughs> And I think oh my god, <laughs> Mary I Poppins! Think, j- just out of focus, is Ack equally attired? <laughs> no, 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 no! I know, I, I, know, I know the part he was at, and I wasn't at it. They're, they're doing some advert for kitchen towels. Brenda and Maureen. Congratulations! You like one of the blokes on the bounty <laughs> I certainly do not. Yes, you do. But I just the thing I like. Congratulations, about Bill. I love. I just love the slippers. <laughs> the old woman's slippers and the hat. Oh, and his face as well. The way. It's, oh, it's just. I brilliant. think you love it a little too much. All will be clear for people who haven't seen the photo, which is everyone. So what's the, web the website, website? What's, the, what's yeah. the web address of the photo? It will be something like www.lugradio.org slash competition slash LQFNY or words like that, but I haven't put it up yet. So yeah, so thank you. Should be up by the time the episode comes out. So thank yeah, you good for effort. Thanks to everyone for entering. Brilliant. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to think of another competition now. Absolutely. We are, but we, have, we need we, some more goodies. No, first. We, yeah. we haven't got any corporate tat. Yeah. So send in your tat. Any any corporate people Doesn't send us stuff to, to give away. You can, you can give send us really really good want. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dell, Michael Dell, we're looking at you. <laughs> yeah, good good service. No, yeah, yeah. As if you get a free Dell server, you're gonna give it back. That's true. <laughs> I think the word beard comes to mind. 
Yes. So, okay. Congratulations so, to all our winners. Commiserations to all our losers. Uh, in some way, though, they're all winners. They are. They're all winners. <laughs> <laughs> they look like a bunch of fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congr- that is the word of the Congratulations <laughs> to all our winners. They're all winners apart from the ones who didn't win. <laughs> so, so, Adam, you think that one of them's... Uh, they're all losers, yeah? Uh, what about that hard bloke? Does that include the hard bloke? <laughs> oh, he looks the, dead. Whose name is... Uh, I can't, can't find it. it. <laughs> can't, can't find his name. One, one bloke sent us a picture where he just looked hard for the news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, we he don't did. mean hard in that way, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, thank you very much. Woo! Hello, Mike. You're on Rug Radio. Hello, Mike. How's it going? Not too bad. So, we're talking to Mike Hearn from Auto Package. Mike, tell us right. about Auto Package <laughs> in about 30 seconds. Give us an update, Mike. What's been right, going on? Okay, the executive summary is <laughs> it's a way of building binary packages for Linux which work on nearly any distribution. And so, it lets you sort of bypass the whole five RPMs for different distros, and then you need a dev, and then you need a, an e-build, and so on. You just build one. It's Good a bit stuff. like Loki setup, but it's got more features of traditional package managers. Wicked. So, thank you for the thumbnail description. So, two questions very quickly. First of all, does it work? And secondly, what have you been up to in the last six months or so? Yeah, it works. You can go to the website and download some and try it, or go download Inkscape or Abbey Word or whatever else uses it. Um, it definitely works. Um, what have we been doing? We've been mostly working on added C++ support, better compression, things like that. Features which most users probably won't notice, but are mostly important for packages. And cool. we've done some other usability things and made the clients a bit prettier and stuff like that. Cool. Excellent. I noticed you've just updated your website as well. Very shiny. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the old one had some usability problems. Uh, so <laughs> it was replaced with one that was a bit who, simpler. Who pointed and more those out, Mike? On the end users. Hmm? <laughs> who pointed those out to you? Um, well, I didn't actually work on the new website we designed, but we kind of knew they'd been problems for a while. It was okay when I started, and it was just a project, and I needed developers, but now we actually have users, it needs to be a bit more focused. <laughs> <laughs> it does help, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I, I used AutoPackage for the first time the other day. Um, Shame on you. Uh, I've not used it before, because I've not really had a need to use it before, but <laughs> I, I wanted to try it out, which is part of the reason which inspired me to want us to do this kind of five-minute up- update, and it's really, really good. It's very clever how it works, but... The obvious gap at the moment is there's not much stuff seems to be packaged as an auto-package. Have you had a lot of interest from developers in, 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 in taking on auto-packages more? Um, yeah, I mean, we've had some. Well, one issue which stopped a lot of people is lack of good C++ support, and that's been a major feature of right. the, the next version. Work. Um, in which we always ensure it's to do with the, you know, the application binary interface, the ABI issues. And um, we've got a unique solution to that. We kind of brute force fix it, basically. <laughs> right. um, but no other installer does that, and that's one reason why distributing games and other things is a bit of a pain in the ass on Linux. Right. And that was an issue for KDE applications in particular. We had quite a few KDE developers who wanted Just to use it, but really couldn't because of these um, C++ issues. Okay. Hi, Mike. Um, <clears throat> I was just wondering. You'll have to forgive. You'll have, you'll have to forgive me. Uh, I don't know a great deal about Auto Package, but I was wondering if it was suitable for use as a distribution's main packaging system, and if if that's true, uh, do any distributions do that at the moment? Um, well, every so often people pop up and say, you know, can I use this for my new distribution? And normally we say, no, not really, because um, it's not. It was not not really designed for that. I mean, it's a bit slow for one, and you know, it has a lot of features which is designed for um, cross distribution compatibility. That and it doesn't have features that you would want if you used it to build a distribution. I mean, for the K 
Caseware is designed for desktop operating systems, I'm not even convinced you really want package management. If you look at um, how Apple do it with Mac OS, then they basically don't have package management at all, and it still works very nicely. Yeah, yeah true. So if yeah. anything, I'd say you don't need a package manager for desktop operating system, but you can stick auto package on top for third-party stuff. Cool, cool. <clears throat> I mean, in terms of, uh, for example, recently I've been working on a Python application. I mean, does it work for things like Python, or is it only C? Um, it can work for Python as long as you avoid the use of um, C extensions. Right. But that's quite a common technique to work around. The fact that Python's really slow and is not very efficient and uses lots of memory and so on. The problem is um, oh, the agree. Python APIs aren't stable <laughs> right. um, at all. So distributing Python apps is really not possible at all. Oh, right. um, unless you're willing to make every distribution sort of recompile and maybe patch the software as well. Right. So, uh, no, that isn't really possible right now. We can fix it with enough magic tricks, but, you know, eventually get tired of trying to fix other people's messing stuff like <laughs> so that. It's, so, yeah, it seems, yeah. so it seems like it's quite a hack to get around that. Because I was thinking, you know, I've, I've been working on this thing and it seemed, seemed like an ideal way of distributing my software, but um, um, if there's no obvious way of doing it, I'm assuming that means that there's, it's unlikely that um, a solution to this is going to rear its well, head at I some mean, point soon. You could just yeah, if language. it's raw Python source code with no extensions, then um, it could work okay. But again, I mean, Python, the language itself, has somewhat dubious backwards compatibility and so on. So, I mean, Python is really great for prototyping and for developing in-house tools and so on. I personally wouldn't use it to develop, you know, mass market desktop software. I don't think it's an appropriate uh, tool for that. But, you know, obviously this sort of thing isn't advertised at all or discussed much in the community, so a lot of people do use Python for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. now um, I've been poking around the auto package wiki a bit, and one of the things I did note was an enormous rant against Python and how the Python team don't care about backwards compatibility on the libraries. Well, <laughs> it's, it's something that comes up more and more often these days as people want to use Python, yeah. Yeah. Um... I mean, there are a number of things. Um, you've got a lot of future plans, and one of them was a kind of a something like the Linux standard base, but a bit more, a, a grouped-up uh, thing you can have in a distribution so you can, say, just depend on desktop Linux 1.0, and then yeah, you'd yeah. be able to guarantee that a load of stuff was there. Um, and uh, are you planning on making that happen or trying to make that happen, or are you just sort of hoping that someone does do it because it would make life easier? Well, you know, it's always been on the roadmap, but there are lots of things which we sort of would like to do, but other things take priority because people are reporting bugs to us because of these things, like the C++ support and so on. Yeah. So immediate user requests take precedence over those more long-term projects. Yeah. Oh, well, of course. And to be honest, a lot of the core developers, I mean, myself, Hongli, and Curtis, we've all been very busy with other things lately, so we haven't had much time to work on auto package itself. Um, it's certainly something that should still be done. I mean, the, the importance of a platform is really huge. Yeah, it's really one of the most important things Linux could have, and it doesn't have one, and that's one reason why it's disadvantaged relative to Windows or the Mac. Well, but, okay. Uh, no um, one's working on it right now. Thanks very much for talking to us, Mike. Cheers, yeah, Mike. Um, you know, we need the update. People ought to use Auto Package more. Is there Definitely. Anything, we should pick it more. Is there anything you want to say to the Lug Radio community in the 10 seconds you have left? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I don't know. I don't think so. Not in 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, thanks very much, Mike. Cheers, Bye. Mike. I've got something for us to discuss. Okay. You know, I've just hey. changed my job. Yes, McDonald's. Okay, so yeah. I used to... <laughs> no, 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 he left McDonald's, he's now at Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, burger monkey. Yeah, brilliant. The floor so back. I used to work at a very, quite a large company, and if you were to suggest Linux technologies at the company, you wouldn't really have got a lot of support. Right. Um, Windows Shop. Yeah, exactly. 
So now I work for a lot smaller company, and basically I get to recommend the technologies that are implemented. And there's been a couple of times in the past where open source and Linux open source, more specifically, would have been would have worked perfectly well. Yeah. So I'm thinking um, Zimbra server. I'm very impressed with Zimbra, and we've had a couple of things in the past where well, yeah, they only really impressed with Zimbra. Yeah, sure, really? not. As you Shock know, horror. <laughs> as you know, I'm quite impressed with Zimbra. And there's a couple of times when Zimbra would have been more than easily the best solution, or not the best solution, or certainly a workable solution. Yep. Um, same with Voice over IP. We've got a very small switchboard. We haven't got quite enough extensions, and we're going to have to pay like a couple hundred quid just to get Asterisk. more. Exactly, right? So, but both of these occasions, I've felt myself not recommending a Linux open source solution. Pray tell why. And the reason is because if we implement it, I'm, the, o- I'm the only person <laughs> in the company who can support it. Because all of the Windows techies are scared shitless of Linux. Some of them won't even look at a Linux box unless I put a GUI on it. You know, they just literally will not look at it. I've got a couple of boxes that are just acting as a router. You know, just literally. Right. No X server on there, just act as a router. Do you think they're scared um, of Linux or do you think are, they're just they lazy? Act, well, I don't know. But finding people who are dual skilled, you know, people who do Linux and Windows... Mm. But, hey, that's expensive. You know, you can't afford techies like that. Fantastic. But, Can I have a job, please? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what do you do about that situation? So I've been in a big company where I can't, use, I can't suggest Linux, and now I've worked for a small company where, again, I find myself not being able but, to... N- but the point is that that means you can't suggest what technology you like. If, like, you can suggest any technology you like, and we'll implement them, as long as you pick something that our staff already understand, then well, you're so going to be stuck with Microsoft stuff till the end of fucking time, aren't you? Well, in one situation, we had a, a need where the CEO actually said... Why don't we use a Samba server? Samba. 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 There you go. Samba. A Samba server rather than a not, not, z- not Zimbra. Samba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> rather ah. than SBS. And I'm like, yeah, we could, but you'll be in the same position again. You'll have one person in the company who can support it. Yeah. And what well, happens if I get hit by a bus? Get your staff skilled then. <laughs> the, the, the point, there's no point in saying I can choose what I like you could have if, if you've got to choose among the skill set of the staff you've already got. Yeah, the problem here seems to be that you, because you can't say this is what we're going to go towards and say to the techies, okay, you've got to move towards this and, and, and you know, we're going to have training sessions to do this and to do that and to do this. Because you can't do that, you don't have any power to move over. That's you, right, you, yeah. You, you, you can, you Some can... of them find it hard enough to support Windows, to be honest. Right. Plus, you see, I think you speak shit anyway, right? And, here's <laughs> and the, How did I know here's, that was coming? Here's the reason I think you speak shit. <laughs> okay, do you have anyone at your me. office, at uh, 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 your firm, yeah. who is skilled in SharePoint? In SharePoint? Yeah. Apart from me? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So if you're building an internet and someone suggested SharePoint, would you think, oh, no, we can't use SharePoint because no one's skilled in it? Or would you think, no, we'll put it in anyway? Yeah, that's right, because... Then you I, I don't think you would avoid SharePoint because people aren't skilled in it, but that's exactly the same thing as the not being skilled in You're absolutely else. right, because the, the other techies there, the Windows techies, you know, that help disk analysts and stuff like that, they would have less of a mental block to learn SharePoint it's, than it's they a, would it's to... A, it is, I mean, to be fair, it's... If you provide them with just a black and white console and say, there you go... Yeah. To be, to be fair, it's... Configure IP the, tables. It's, it's, kind <laughs> of, it's kind of two different ways of working, isn't it? I mean, the, the kind of mentality... And, and those kind are the of, barriers. You and see. perspective of window of the Windows and Microsoft route is different to the Linux route because although yes, it's nice for us to say yeah, with a modern Linux distribution such as Fedora or Ubuntu, you can do everything in the GUI. Yeah. You can't. You you always have to drop down to the command line. Well, and if they're not command line people, they predominantly do most certain, stuff in, in in the GUI. Then it's going to be more difficult. See, I don't think to you a do certain point. To. I mean, you, you can you drop down to webmin. That that's exa- well, exactly what I was about to say. So for, for the uh, the boxes right. that are just acting as routers, literally, I've just. 
documented the install, documented how to install Webmin, you know, actually put it on the same disk. apt get install Webmin? No. (laughs) (laughs) Double clicking on the RPM that's on the desktop. (laughs) Well, okay, fair play. But that's that's proved my point, is that... Yeah, well, what... what, They've had to do that to get them to even try it. But that's the thing, how many... still resistance. I I don't think that... I think if you go up to most Linux sysadmins... Well, you're a sysadmin, Yeah. And do you have to use the command line a reasonable amount? Most all the time, all our services. Do you have to, or do you find it quicker and easier? I find it pretty quick, to be honest. No, but, but that's the point is, you do. don't have to use it, do you? Could you do your job? What percentage of your job could be done entirely graphically, with webmin and Ooh. with system tools and that kind of? I thing? know you wouldn't want Not much, to. I don't think. Really? You see that—that's the thing. Yeah. What sort no, of I mean, are you doing? But, then? But, well, servers basically. Oh, okay. All. ISP web serving business. Uh, and to be right. honest, that's not necessarily a problem because part of the power so, of Linux is the fact that you can drop down to the command line. It's just a different, yeah, just so a different I've got philosophy. Two problems. I've got one, the Windows people just will not get interested in it. Yeah. Right? They're scared of it. And the second problem is affording dual skilled people is just prohibitive. With your Windows people, right? Because yeah. I don't think the solution is to necessarily get new stuff. Because <laughs> it's, it's a small organisation. No, it's, it's not just because, you know, these staff are different. It's just that most, 99% of Windows people are these staff. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're not that But in terms of, in terms of these be, staff... Because what, they use Windows, they've never had to be technical. What kind of... What do you think motivates them with their job? What do you think they get out of working with Windows? They get paid. Yeah, is it just... They walk in at nine. They ain't there because they're interested in technology. So, so this, is, this is... Part, I'm not saying that... Hmm. I wasn't expecting a different answer. No, no. So by by, they're basically there to earn money between nine and five. Yeah. So they probably don't actually care what they use between nine and five. They just want an easy life. Yeah. I'd say so. Keep going, yeah. Right. So that seems to be part of. Uh, it's difficult because that's one way that we can possibly push it is that at least they're not diehard Windows people that are refusing to move away from Windows yep. because that's the way of life. Yep, I agree. Are they at least? They're not, they haven't got any Don't kind of philosophical, you know, oh, we've got to use Windows because it's the way. Yeah. So therefore, the people you need to persuade, persuade are your bosses. It's not I don't need to persuade my boss. My boss is behind me. He doesn't right. have to persuade his boss. He I am the boss. He to well, me, I think the big finger's got to come out then. Tell him to fucking get on well, with it. That's exactly what I was going to say. To me, there are three points. First of all, three. your boss. Yes, just to break the golden rule, there are actually three. Nah. Nah. Grown a third well, finger. Cynically, first of all, woo, job security. <laughs> Secondly, not very well paid job security. Well, I'm afraid. Oh well, but shouldn't surely your boss should be treading on somebody and saying, "Hang about, sunshine, you're going to go and have to have a look at this." Yeah, stop being. Aid said the word. Get on with it. If you've bas- if your boss is basically yeah. saying to you, Aid, if you choose some technology, these people have got to adjust to it, yeah. and they're not adjusting to it. That's a problem with the management. And also, surely the third point is, isn't the cost saving of using an open source solution see, more worthwhile? Yeah. And see, the, the cost of a Linux of, of a Windows server, you know, just for like six or eight users, isn't that high when you look at a f- the cost of affording somebody who Dep- can support no, that. That depends entirely on the no, context. But I, I'm so. saying, gives t- no, that, t- that is my context. It's the context of that I'm working in. In, in your particular yes. context. So, so you've done total cost of ownership and, and it doesn't vary that much. <laughs> Do you mean I've ever done a TCO t- uh, study? No. no. All I'm thinking is take somebody away for two days and show them how to use it. You can't teach somebody Samba in two days. The whole of but, but hang on a second, from the cost perspective, has, yeah. has a TCO been done comparing a Linux solution and a Windows solution? Not o- necessarily by you, on but a by very someone. sort of overview sort of level. I'd suspect that if you drilled down into detail, You'd you would find some... Because some, some, I, I did a very similar thing recently. Remember, we're a charity, so we get um, Windows licenses really cheap. Uh, I suppose there's a point, yeah. You see? You're not a typical business, so... No. 
And Microsoft go easy on people like you guys. They do on charities for some reason. Do you have to pay? Do you have to buy client access licenses? You do, but they're ridiculously cheap. Yeah. So it's you, like a five for well, thousand I, licenses. To me, the, co- the cost of Microsoft software is always the stuff that you have to put on top of the operating system. Yeah, you've got your Windows I, server, which is I don't know. There's, there's quite a lot of stuff that comes put, with it these days. So you wanted to put SharePoint on it, for example. Yeah, is that in a couple of hundred quid, a grand? Mm-hmm. Surely. The thing is, though, is you, you can also, Microsoft do this scheme, even just for normal businesses, where you can pay something like, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but you pay a certain amount of money yeah, a year, it. and you basically get Windows and it's Office. It's like a software assurance, yeah. Yeah, there, there licensing is scheme. another point to be borne in mind here, I think, which is that if you look I at... I thought Z- you were being a bit quiet. If you look at Zimbra, my yeah. impression of the thing, and I haven't, and I haven't, Zimbra frame. I haven't studied it in anywhere as near as much detail as eight has, <laughs> but my impression of it was that you didn't have to drop down to the command line to configure it. it you was don't. A, you really, really don't. So in that case, why do you feel loath to push it on people if it's already got a GUI interface? Okay, let's say I'm not there in six months' time <clears> and the server yep. falls over. They need to do a reinstall. Yeah. Well, you have to be on the command line to install Zimbra. Why do you? Is, Is it, it not packaged? It comes with a load of RPMs that are stuffed inside like a, a self-extractor with a script. So you kind of extract it and you just run the install script and it installs the RPMs one by one and then it throws you through like um, a little, a very short sort of configuration option where you configure um, LDAP. Right, so, so, your, so your problem with it is not using it, it's just installing it. The, the thing is... I think it would look after the, the itself, thing is, as you know. I think, I, think that, I think that trying to basically go down the path of a Linux kind of solution and hoping that the, the admins or the help desk people don't need to know about the command line is going down a bit of a dark tunnel. It is. I mean, if, you, you if, you, right, if they don't have any knowledge of the command line... The minute you go away, that's going to fucking fall over, and that's. Well, not I don't fa- think it would, but when it did fall over, but when they it, would yeah, be that's what I mean. When it falls over, they're shafted, and then they've, where do they go? So, so what? So what it is is, I think I always think it's wrong to kind of, and a lot of people are kind of selling people the idea that Linux can be done entirely graphically when, for from a system administration yeah, yeah. perspective. For the for the consumer, fair enough. Looking after but for most a sysadmin, you, yeah, you really need to drop down to, the, to yeah. the command line, so they need to know about that if they're going to do their jobs properly. So all I can really do is just document parrot fashion how to install it you know yeah. as far as every single screen question goes yeah well we've, yeah. Got, we've got a wiki um but look at that you're not but what happens you're, the you're, second you're, one of those questions is slightly different you're not you're not teaching people anything but if your argument is that they are not and never will be skilled enough to answer those questions themselves yeah then you've got one or two options you either hope that zimbra becomes as easy to install as Microsoft Exchange. Don't get me wrong, Simbra is pretty damn easy to install. It, um, is Exchange easier to install? I would say not, actually. In that case, what happens when an Exchange server falls over? Do they not know then either? Would you feel loath to choose Exchange on that basis? I don't think so. I think you'd choose it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, your argument is bollocks. I don't quite understand. Uh, okay, so the Exchange server falls over, right? I'm not there. They just get in a contractor who knows Exchange, and there are hundreds of thousands of people who know Exchange. How many people know Zimbra? Okay, yeah. where no, are you going to find a contractor that knows Zimbra? It is a legitimate point. If if something falls over, meanwhile your moment, business is also falling yeah. over. At, at you know? the, you, you've got to think about things. Surely like you that. just buy support off the Zimbra people for that. Yeah, but or me. <laughs> 200 quid off it. So, I mean, if you're thinking of going into Zimbra... I'll just put a sticker on the side of the box. If this box breaks, call Adam Sweet. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, that's not a totally unreasonable thing. If you think we're going to go for Zimbra, you identify the people who are going to support it mm-hmm. before you go for it. 
These people who work... So, so you, you buy support or you identify a contractor who already knows about it, rather than saying, so we'll that, wait until we experience a problem before we go looking. So that, that's fine for something like um, Zimbra, yeah, you know, brilliant. I mean, I, I'm very close to actually suggesting that we go with it. Yeah. But what about something like <clears throat> Asterisk? But but this is this is the don't, point. Don't you just talk to Digium in exactly the same way? No. Th- th- so the phone system stops working and then they've got to call Digium. Oh, hang on. No, but this is, I, I think this is the wrong perspective to take because you're basically saying, okay, these people, we don't think they can necessarily do the job. So therefore, we need to have all of these backup plans when they can't do their job. Now, if you basically... But they could do the job if, if you implemented Windows software. But yeah, yeah. but the point here is, therefore, is that... No, no, they I'm, I'm going to say, oh, second, so the point here is that if you're going to say to them, we should move over to Zimbra and whatever, 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 and they're not skilled enough to do that, you know, after some training, if they're yeah. not skilled enough to do that, then either they aren't right for the job or that solution isn't right for the company. But remember, right? you're paying for help desk analysts. They're not well-paid people. Right. If they're... But, that's the thing. If you know, we, you're talking real. Are low they are they pay. help desk? As in, they go around fixing printers, or are no, they, they sysadmins? Are side as well. So they they sysadmins. No, they're not des- sysadmins. They go around to desktops. So they go around to desktops, yeah. but they need to fix desktops. Yeah, they need to administer desktops. I st- I they st- need to administer desktop systems. Yeah, they need to administer just systems. say yes to him. <laughs> <laughs> Stop him. But yeah, I mean, if the the thing is, is that I think it's a, a false sense of security if the staff aren't necessarily up to it. Because the that's the it. whole Windows thing, but though, as, as far as I can tell, you, you, you've said, well, they could administer a Windows solution, but then when we say, could they do Exchange and reinstall it, you say, no, they couldn't. So either they are capable of doing it, or they aren't. If they're not capable of doing it, I don't understand what your but backup plan is for Windows-based I think most Windows, but Windows most techs won't touch it because it's just a complete conception. There's a mindset, as Adam says. Yeah, there's but, a whole yeah, but, mindset. Yeah, but that's, a, that's not a thing you can fix with skill. That's a cultural issue. Yeah, yeah that's the and, point. And to be honest with you, you're not going to get them to agree. So just fucking put it in place and tell them, you have to learn. This is why we pay you that money. That was my second or third point, I think. Oh, I right, yeah, your one. point. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've done them now. It's okay. I just Surely someone should just be treading on somebody to make yeah. them learn just, how to do it. Just it sounds like not it, that hard. It does sound like their job description is also... It sounds as if what you're wanting them to do, not you, but your boss, yeah. is maybe beyond their job description. If they're really basically going around and fixing sort of frontline problems, but they've also got to look after exchange and they've got to look after all the back-end stuff, mm-hmm. that's beyond help desk, but it's not quite sysadmin. Yeah. So it sounds like you're expecting more of them, yeah, but absolutely. moving over to Linux is too much of them. Yeah. In which case, it might not be right to move over to Linux, mm-hmm. other, unless you get somebody else in to administer it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so that's what I need to do. I do entirely try and find someone who's dual skilled, yeah. and will also work for uh, Windows techie wages. You see, yeah. you see, I, I don't agree at all. Well, I, find someone. I, find I, I think you do exactly the opposite. Right. You should fucking bash people with a mallet a little bit. <laughs> I think so. And say, look, yep. you Impressive. need you need to be up to skill on this. This is the thing that we're using, so you need to learn about it. I mean, if you built in-house applications, I mean, I don't know, I expect you don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But if you, had, if you had a development team, they built in-house applications, yeah. then your staff would have to learn to support them, and they're not a standard Windows thing, they're not something they're already going to know about, but they'd have to learn about it. I, I absolutely sympathise with your point. But, that but we people, don't, by people, the way. People don't want to do it, because it's just... Oh, we don't understand it. Without And you think, well, yeah. you haven't tried to understand just, it. It's like people yeah. who say, I don't like curry without ever, ever yeah. having eaten a curry. Yeah. Just try, just migrate them over by starting off. Before you actually move out, just say, this is the direction. Change everybody's desktops. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> they come in on Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Linux. That's what the extreme Adura people did in Spain. Yep. Um, uh, you, they you just know, did you, it. Yeah. They, they, everyone went home on Friday. 
logged out of their Windows desktop. Come in on Monday, Windows Linux desktop. But what might be an idea is <laughs> what might be an idea is to say is to say <laughs> just say to them this we've made the decision, this is the direction we're going to. Okay. But we're not gonna go into that place for another six months. And then spend lots of time, just a couple of hours every day or a couple of hours a week. See, I like your thinking. You're, you're saying win their hearts and souls over. Axe just saying get a big fucking No, 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 no. This is a combination of the two. What <laughs> right, you're, okay. What you're, saying, what you're saying is we're moving over to here and you're going to have to learn it, but we're going to give you time. What you don't want yeah, to oh, what you, what you say is we're setting this up on Sunday yeah. and on Monday you're coming into work and it's going to be fucking working. No, ab- absolutely. I mean, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not just saying exactly that. I'm not just saying what you do is you're going, we're doing this Saturday. <laughs> get used to it yeah. you say we're doing this whether you like it or not that's tough shit but um, we, we're going to give you time to get accustomed to it Exa- exactly as John says but, say we, we're going to do it six months from now yeah but you're right Th- there does come a point at which you have to say I don't care if you don't like and, it and that we're doing it because I'm thinking about the company not about your job that would be great if they weren't in the role that they are and the role that they're in is a role that nobody stays in if you see what I mean well yeah so they're going to have to be replaced up-skill, at some point. Upskill. So then you're going to have to get somebody in. Yeah. And then you have to start again. But if, but seriously, so everybody mean, comes in with Windows skills already. I'm, I don't have to give them. No, that. no, bear with me. I'm comparing this to my firm. Right. And we've got a lot of in-house developed applications. So when we get new people in, yeah. they don't know about any of them. Right. And they pick it up fine. Okay. Right. So and and that's exactly the same thing. The fact that it happens to be the operating system that you're changing, or um, you know, it's Simba rather than Exchange. Mm-hmm. We've got all our in-house developed stuff, and obviously, no one knows about that when they come in, mm-hmm. and no one has a real problem with it because you go, these are the applications that we use. I'd, I'd say the only the only other thing to bear in mind is that I'm looking for a solution here. By the way, uh, eh? I'm looking for a solution here. I really want to find. I think, I think we're going to get flooded this. with CVs now. <laughs> show at the think, radio. Dot well, until you, <laughs> yeah, if, if you, I was offering mine. If you live in Birmingham in the UK, give me your CV. <laughs> I, I think. I think the other thing is to bear in mind is in terms of these people that you've got, is to not only say you've obviously said to them that, that there's a better technical solution to it out there. Yeah. But you should also with these people is just very gently. Tell them about the philosophy behind open source and free software. Show them something shiny so, as well. So, um, so they can. Because the other, th- other problem I've got is that in the industry, people seem to see open source software. They only seem to see the free, as in no dollars yeah. free. They yeah. never seem to see the philosophy free. They but, just see cost saving. But that's it. And, it and, if, you, shit and if, if you kind of tell them about, you know, uh, the fact that people are, you know, going the far in their careers with it, the community, that, yeah. the vendor locking, all that kind of stuff. And then not only are you. I think once they buy into at least a little bit of the philosophy behind it, then it gets them a little bit more excited. The wine project's pretty cool. It that is. wasn't a thumb, that was a hand. <laughs> it was a thumb and uh, it some nothing friends. nothing like a thumb. It was like a thumb family. <laughs> if I could briefly interrupt you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> The Wine Project's pretty cool, and one of the major contributors to the Wine Project is a company called Code Weavers. Yes. And the head of Code Weavers is Jeremy White. Yes. Let's talk to him. Yep. Hi, Jeremy. You're on Lug Radio. Great. Thank you. How are you doing? Doing well. How about yourselves? Not so bad. You guys all right? Ridiculously well. well. you know. Ridiculously okay. well. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us about wine and, and what's going on at the moment. And what's going on? Well, I mean, you know, wine is, is the, the holy grail of all open source projects. You know, our goal <laughs> is to make Linux a op- uh, completely Windows-compatible operating system. Um, obviously, it's a very, very hard job, and uh, that's why we whine a lot. That's, that's what we whine for. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've, we've come a very long way. I've been involved with wine for about seven years now, um, 
and it's a long, hard road, but we're really getting to the point where a remarkable amount of stuff really works. Um, which Including all the latest exploits. I'm sorry, say again? Including all the latest exploits and yeah, vulnerabilities. Yeah, yeah, we're working on that, although we, we still don't, we're not quite virus compatible. <laughs> Damn. We had a very discouraging review on Newsforge the other day where, yeah. where wine couldn't run a single one of the five viruses the bloke tried. So. You, guys, you guys aren't trying hard enough, are you? <laughs> Clearly, you know, we've got we to gotta get on that. That's a, we, you know, How many people are on the wine team in total? Well, there's been historically around 700 contributors. Um, there's typically around maybe 40 active, I'd say, at any given time. Although we've, we've seen a very nice sort of spike in activity lately. Right. Um, a lot more developers, a lot more action. And that's that's gratifying, obviously. Cool. I mean, that's a lot of people putting a lot of work into wine. What you would bet. you say to the argument that some of that work might be better spent actually improving the Linux applications rather than trying to get Windows compatibility? Well, you know, I, I hate that argument. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it's well, always like to hit the arguments. You know, you know the, first, the first comment is that, you know, I can't control what people want to do with their time. And if they want to spend their time on wine, well, you know, it, it, it's not a zero-sum game. Um, you know, if they, if they weren't working on wine, the odds that they would be instead working on, yeah. I don't know, open office is pretty slim. A lot um, of people say that. Yeah, um, I think it's a lot of money and for the other thing, I mean, the whole value and beauty of the open source world is that you attack things from so many different angles. Um, so wine is just another attack angle. And, uh, okay. Uh, it's not necessarily the best way or the right way um, to solve the problem. But, but uh, you know, bluntly, no one would talk about that if wine really worked. To be <laughs> yeah. quite candid with Nobody you. Nobody would talk about they it. They only get to say that because wine only kind of sort of works right now. Yeah. Um, I- and if wine really worked, people would just, that, that whole gripe would go away. I'm not sure I agree with that, but anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, if, if Linux just ran Windows applications, why, why is that? How can that be bad? I mean, a native Linux application is always going to be better. But yeah. right now, you talk to anyone about why they can't move, and number one up there is that they can't run this Windows app or that Windows app or, you know. And, and, and number two, fairly quickly behind, is hardware support. But, you know, I'm focused on the yeah. number one problem. It's, I mean, it does seem that uh, it makes sense. I mean, I, I disagree with Aid here in the fact that it does make sense for us to support Windows applications if possible because it helps people to move over to a new operating system. But Wine, Wine has been, from what I can tell, Wine's been going for about 12, 13 years. And right. there's been some discussions recently about uh, building up to the first release. And I was reading the other day that Alexandra thinks that it should be in, a, in about a year, will have been through all the beta tests and all the rest of it, and it should be released. Right. With version one, just peering into your crystal ball, how how much how many what percentage of Windows applications do you believe will run? I mean, how much of the how much will Wine actually run everything that people want to use? Well, you can actually. There's there's sort of two interesting ways to divide that problem. Um, and the first way is how many applications will install in Wine without any tricks or gadgets or you know, um, funny uh, uh, back-of-the-hand um, installing Windows DLLs or whatnot. And then once you have them installed, how many of them will run? Um, and about a year ago, I would have told you that it was about 25%, 25%. You know, so you were looking at, you know, I don't know what that is, 10% of applications. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We've put a ton of work into Wine lately on that installer side, and I think we've driven that up, that first one up closer to 50%. Um, 
And at the same time, I think we've driven the second one up closer to 50% as well. So what am I saying? I'm saying that we're at about 25% today. Right. We've got kind of a one in four shot of just getting joy. Um, Yeah. I mean, um, my experience with wine has been that most stuff will go some way towards running. It's not like um, uh, applications will just throw a wobbler right at the beginning. Um, right. you'll, get, you'll get some way into I don't know whether this is common to other people's experiences, but you get the impression you've done 90% of the work, but there's still the other 90% yet to go, you know. Right. Um, but do you think that, uh, if looking at what you're doing at Codebee, which is obviously concentrating hard on getting particular applications to work, do you think that you need that, that kind of focus thing on saying, let's pick an application and implement all the calls that it makes and then move on to the next application? Is that what they're doing? Or is, it, or is it better to concentrate globally? I don't know. I mean, you might say that's not what you're doing at all. No, no. It, 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 concentrating on the application is absolutely the right way to go. Um, because, it, and, and, and I'm going to correct um, something that a lot of people have the wrong impression with wine. It's not the case of picking an application and then implementing what it needs. Because by and large, everything is already implemented. I, I think people don't realize that wine is largely complete. What we do instead is we pick an application and we fix all of the bugs it exposes. Right, okay. Um, and, and, you know, our implementation of X, Y, and Z is wrong in some subtle and very difficult to debug way. Um, you know, the hope is that as we fix these bugs, we do what I'm fond of calling collateral damage, so that, <laughs> um, you know, you, you, if you make Project 2003 work, suddenly um, a whole, you know, passel of other applications start to work as well. Right, okay, no, um, that makes sense. So, um, you, you said that targeting the applications is the right way to do it. Aren't you going to run out of guys a long way before you run out of applications to target <laughs> I mean, you know, from a manpower standpoint, that's, I mean, you know, from a, a, a screaming need for wine, manpower is our number one need. I mean, we could, you know, I could use, uh, <laughs> you know, could use 10 times the good wine hackers that we have today um, and put them to good use. Um, yeah. It, it's hard. I mean, this is genuinely hard, hard stuff. I mean, it's, you find a bug that looks trivial and people will say, oh, I just found this one little glitch. This will be easy, right? You know, and it's five days later, some guy's lived in a debugger for five days and he has the solution. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's and that's so it's it's a very long, slow grinding process. So we're always needing more people. Okay, uh, you say you're working towards a release, say in, in maybe a year or so. Um, right. Uh, can you tell tell us what goals you've got in mind for that release? I mean, maybe it's just more application support, or maybe you've got some specific goals in mind for that release. Um, yeah, and, and unfortunately, it's too bad that Alexander couldn't be here with you because the honest truth is the only person who gets to decide. Um, when it's good enough is Alexander, frankly. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I can't peer into the, the, his mind and tell you what's going to qualify. But I think the, the main goal is to be in a state where we're not going to regress. Um, so in other words, once we've made... One of the other things that people gripe about wine, and I think rightly gripe about wine, is that you know one day an application will work and then the next day it won't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, the wine developers, can point at the little readme that said, hey, it was alpha software. We never promised you a darn thing. Stop your complaining. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what we're doing is we're there, – there are just – there's some very hard structural things that need to be changed at a fundamental level. And when you make those sort of very major changes, they do have – they do break things. Yeah. And so, so one of the key points of 1.0 is we'll be done – with the last, or in theory, the last of the major known architectural changes that are necessary. Um, and so the hope is that when we have Wine 1.0, 
you know, I don't know what it'll run. It'll run Microsoft Office. It'll run Dreamweaver. It'll run, you know, a bunch of games. It'll, you know, there'll be a nice set of things that'll run. Yeah. And what's perhaps more important about Wine 1.0 is that Wine, the promise is that Wine 1.0.1 will run those same applications. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what you guys are doing essentially is you're reverse engineering, and, and the stuff you've done so far is, is really impressive. Now, with things like Windows Vista around the corner, does that mean mm-hmm. you guys have to start again from scratch, or does all of the all everything that you've learned so far does that really are you getting to know the Windows sort of inside out? Oh, you're just you're just setting me up for all the common myths. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Windows Vista has no impact on us whatsoever because it's all just based on NT. It's all going to be back. Well, no, compatible. because all we care about are the applications. Oh, and they're going to so be compatible the, anyway. Gotcha. Right. So when Microsoft Office that only runs on Vista ships, now we suddenly have a problem. Or when right. you know, pick your application that's Vista specific. Um, I mean, how does how does things like um, applications that need to register? How does that all work under Wine? New activation. Wine has a full registry, so it's it's. Uh, a no, I mean for like activation. Activation. New product it, activation. We support product that we support. Microsoft product activation. We do our very, very best. Um, you know, we may not agree with people's use of DRM, but you know, we, the wine authors, feel that it's our job to make the software perform as expected. Okay. Um, so, you know, we, we certainly with the Microsoft Office products, we make those activation, we make that function the way Microsoft wants it to function. Um, you know, Photoshop CS does not run because Photoshop CS uses a form of DRM that Wine does not yet support. Right. Um, so, for example, that's you know it, it's a, a difficult and frustrating um, problem. You know, one of the problems is that DRM applications they don't want you to know what they need. You know, most applications are fairly cheerful to say, "Hey, I, hey guys, I need these function calls. Could you implement those, please?" And then we yeah. go cheerfully about implementing what they need. <laughs> but the DRM guys are like, "Don't look here. You know, <laughs> get your get your crummy paws out of our. You know, don't don't yeah, you sure. don't need to know what we're trying to do." <laughs> So they're, real, they're a real challenge. Exactly why we're in Linux. <laughs> do you, um, I mean, do you think that the the kind of perception of what Wine should do is is changing among its users? I mean, when I first heard about the project, my impression was that Wine is is a not an emulator. Is, it, wine, <laughs> wine is a system in which it should basically run every Windows application when it's finished. Right. But it seems that Wine is predominantly used these days. Uh, where you take wine and then you basically make specific applications work. Do you think that's a, a, a better way of doing things instead of trying to get the one-shot solution? Well, obviously, the, I mean, you know, you, you have your goal, um, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that goal, but there's so much work between where we are today and that end goal that you can't just say, oh, let's, you know, we'll go away for the next three years and that's all we'll do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for one thing, you don't get paid to do that. Um, <laughs> Whereas today you can say, well, gee, wine is an amazing piece of technology, and it can be useful in some limited roles. It can be very useful to run specific applications. It can be used to port an application, for example. Okay. Yeah. And just one other thing for me, um, because I'm being heckled to pass the, uh, the phone <laughs> on to somebody else. <laughs> We're fighting over you. <laughs> um, when 1.0 is released, do you think that there's going to be uh, efforts to, to work with the integration between Windows applications running on Linux and Linux itself? <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> oh, just don't get me Wouldn't started. <laughs> Wine already makes an attempt to integrate. Yeah. Um, that's actually one of the things that Crossover does that Wine doesn't do is we, we have an enormous amount of effort that goes into doing nothing but integrating. Yeah. 
um, the Windows apps with with Linux. And, and let me just tell you, it's a complete son of a bleep. You know, um, I'll send yeah. that for you. Um, <laughs> it, it, and and it, and it just shouldn't be, but but right. it is. I mean, you would people are just amazed. You know, they say, well, gee, why doesn't my menu show up? And I'll just dryly point back, say, you go ahead, you make a menu on your system. You just you just go right ahead and do that. <laughs> and, uh, people are surprised to find how difficult it is. To do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does seem, though, with, with, with um, Crossover Office, I mean, the integration's pretty impressive. It, well, thank you. It, it does work really well. I mean, that's one thing I've noticed, particularly with the recent releases of it. Um, it does work quite well. Just, you know, ignore that man behind the mirror and never mind the smoke and uh, <laughs> making that work. Um, talk about Crossover needs lately into one of my questions. Um, you're obviously uh, big supporters of the Wine Project. Right. And... Um, what, what I don't understand is exactly what the relationship is between uh, code weavers and wine. In that presumably you're writing things in wine that um, that help uh, the applications that you're targeting to run, but equally, presumably, those things don't go directly back into wine, otherwise no one would have any reason to buy crossover office. Or are people just buying it just for the fact that you've wrapped a GUI around it? I can't imagine that's the case. Well, you know, I mean, I think that's our challenge. Um... Uh, to be, to be, you know, crossover is largely a supported version of wine, um, so it's a, uh, it is wine, and all that we do, we do, you know, every work that we do is generally submitted as a patch to wine before it ever shows up in crossover. Um, so, when you see crossover, what we've done is we've taken wine and we've stabilized it and we've polished it, mm-hmm. and then we do have with crossover, we do have some tools that um, make it easier to integrate with Linux, for example. Right. Um, yeah. So to some extent, why people give us money is for the, for the convenience. Uh, it saves yeah. them a little bit of time to uh-huh. use Crossover rather than Wine. Oh, um, okay. So everything you know, that Crossover does to actually make applications run, as opposed to make it easier to get at your applications or whatnot, that's already in stock Wine. Right. Although we're we're good at it. So, you know, and we we do it from an application perspective. So, for example, if you want to install Dreamweaver... You know, well, yeah. you can Google around for tips and tricks on how to get Dreamweaver to work with Wine, whereas with Crossover, you just pick the Dreamweaver button and click next, next, next until Dreamweaver is installed. Ah, right. So you've got specific application hacks in there for things that are supported by Crossover. Right. Gotcha. I don't know if hacks is the right word, but yes. We, Sorry, we, yeah. Bad choice. Specific application that. compatibility matrices. Right. And then, <laughs> and then let, me, let me tell you about our, our proprietary advantage. We have a, 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 a very major proprietary advantage in Crossover, um, which is that from time to time, we'll find a situation where an application will behave badly, and we will need to put a piece of code in um, to wine that is so god-awful um, that you know, it's, it's embarrassing to admit what you've done. And there's furthermore no chance whatsoever that Alexander would uh, commit it to the public wine tree because <laughs> um, it's so awful. And those are our proprietary advantages that uh, we hold near and dear. Fantastic. So, Sorry, that's a, that's a bit of a uh, inside <laughs> joke. I, I spun that one right. The um, the one thing that's had some press over the over, over the last couple of years, uh, obviously, it's not directly involved with you. Is is Sadiga and Winex and all that kind of stuff? Right. Um, what are your thoughts on that now? Well, you know, I, I think it's somewhat unfortunate. Um, I mean, uh, trans gaming has essentially taken the wine that existed four or five years ago, and, and uh, you know, they've turned it into a proprietary product. Um, I mean, they have really never contributed much of anything to the wine project. Um, you know, and, and there, you know, there's a variety yeah. of reasons for that. But I mean, you know, 
if you go grab wine, wine runs Microsoft Office. It's not hard to make it do it. Right. If you go grab wine, it's it runs games, but no thanks whatsoever to Transgaming. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's yeah, been really good to talk to you. Hearing about this. Can we hook up for a five-minute update at some point in the future? Sure. Fantastic. And keep up the great work. And yeah, we'll, I appreciate uh, it. We look forward to seeing wine in about a year. So All right. Wine on zero. Cheers, then. Bye. Bye. There we have it. Interesting stuff. Well, it is interesting. Very interesting. I mean, I, I just, I'm so deep, I mean, admittedly I'm not a huge fan of wine, but I'm deeply impressed with all mm. the, the, how it's happened, you know, reverse engineering, all that stuff, it's from scratch with no source code. Incredible, isn't it? Hell it's, of a project, really. It's amazing it, work. The, the thing that concerns me about it, to be honest with you, is that although you say, yeah, wine, it, it does a really good job and everything, <laughs> oh, um, and and if you're sitting at home, um, you can say, "Oh, I'll have a crack at running this wine, w- this Windows application with Wine." At what point would you or you, this is Ada or Adam, yeah. people who actually work with um, Windows applications or whatever at work, at what point would you take a, a Windows application sysadmin. and run it on top of Wine? I thought you I'm had Windows. Sysadmin. I thought you had Windows on desktops. We've got about five desktops. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> so, so for I, me, I, 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 then. For I mean, me, never the twain meets. I mean, if I need a Windows application, it'll run on Windows. If I can do the same thing with a Linux application on Linux, I'll do it. But I'm not going to punce around with any kind of halfway... But but that's the point. It, it seems to be a kind of stopgap for home people. And, Absolutely. And, I think, and, I think and that's people the target think, audience. Though. I need... Um, I need something that I can rely on. I suppose something where you go, oh, it doesn't work, never mind. The something that you need to rely on. I think you it's don't need to be in a position to use wine, but I don't know whether you'll ever be in a position to use the wine. Th- then. Well, the thing to remember is really, I think when the wine project started, that kind of thing would have been really important because we didn't have the applications. And I think in maybe mm. in the last three or four years, it probably doesn't, it's not so, so relevant. It's a running anymore. target, isn't it? In my I, mind, I, it's targeted at people who've made the switch over to Linux and don't want to have a single Windows machine anywhere, but still need a couple of other apps and that they can't really get. The thing, that, any other way. the thing that I found interesting, uh, uh, and the thing that's a bit concerning about wine, is that it seems that um, the one-stop approach of basically being able to run everything with, you know, you install one and then you can run win- any Windows application, that seems to be a bit of a pipe dream. Um, that's an impossible dream, but, isn't it? Well, you say but that, but the, if you look at Samba, I mean, they reverse-engineered the Windows NT share yeah, system. And yeah, they did it. Though, yeah, it? but that's, a, I think, a protocol is, and an entire operating system API <laughs> so is a bit different. A, there's a hell of a lot less of it, for God's sake. 700 developers. But, <laughs> they haven't. They've got 40 developers. They've been 700 different ones over time, but they've got 40 guys. It's not always but the, the same thing, the, the point guys. I was going to make was the 40 fa- guys is nothing. Microsoft have got 40,000 guys. And they get to invent the fucker, not work out how it works. The point I was going to make was that I like the idea that they that the, the kind of the way cro- um, code weavers are doing it, where they basically make certain applications work, where, where they make the specific things work. It's not perfect, but making one thing that runs everything doesn't seem to be perfect either. The problem that they've got is that they really want certain developers to look after certain applications, so they'd have a Microsoft Office 2003 team. Yeah, And I suspect that they've got that at the moment, but they're short of hands. But because wine's so incredibly difficult to hack on, yeah. it's not get all someone... of those people working on OpenOffice instead. But it's like, but I, I think the, one I mean, of the first the points point he made, makes, one of the first points he made was right. brilliant. I agree. I with can't him. make people get excited about what they want to work on, and that's I agree. And he's spot on about that. And he, what he said about people, if they don't work on wine, wine, they're not necessarily going to go and work on those other yeah. applications. But they should. <laughs> they should do. But you know, they everyone should, should pay uh, me loads you, of you, money. You've been the first one in the past to flay me alive for suggesting that you can take developer. 
time on one project and just put it on a different project. That's not how it works. It there's should not one, be. There's not one kind of manager guy at the top going, no, no, no more working on Open Office. Now you'll work on GNU Flash. That's not how it works. <laughs> the, 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 why can't they see the bigger picture? The, chal- uh, the challenging thing is... This, this from the man who thinks Windows is still okay. I do. Yeah, why can't you see the bigger picture? Yeah, such as... No fucking proprietary software. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a few mails from people who are new to the Linux community. They've heard about Lug Radio, they've got into it, listened to it, and they've written to us and said things like, your show seems really cool. We don't understand 90% of what you're talking about, but it's really cool anyway. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, indeed. And the the thing they seem to be missing is they don't really know how to get into... Uh, the Linux community, or the, yeah. the, the free software, the, the open source community. I mean, once you've decided, you know, I'm interested in this Linux thing, or I'm interested in using free software for whatever reason, mm. and so you, you've made the big jump over to it, what do you do next? How do you become... I mean, one, one of the things we've said a lot in the past is that one of the things that makes Linux better than uh, proprietary operating systems is there's much more of a community around it. Mm, so. Definitely. How do you get involved in that community? Well, that's it. They so, need to forward slash get involved with their exactly, local look. Yeah. Forward slash get involved. So what I want you to do is each say one thing you think that they could do to get involved. Okay. Well, I think Does someone want to start? <laughs> I mean, the obvious thing is just look up where on the net, on the old interweb, for your local Linux user group. That's the most obvious Lux, thing. Yeah. yeah. I think probably that's the biggest part, that's the biggest thing you can do. Yeah. Because all, all roads lead to Rome then. Yeah. I mean, you don't necessarily have to go to to the lug. I mean, you could join mailing lists for software. And yeah, I mean, and the other thing is, if there isn't a lug in your area, set one up. You know, I mean, who you, on you earth would be crazy enough to do that, Johnny? I don't. Know. <laughs> just <Pray you>. <laughs> just yeah. But yeah, I mean, and there's places if you're in the UK, for example, there's lug.org.uk who who provide mailing lists and things like that for new yeah. lugs. Um, and I'm sure there's places in the US who, who can probably help out in other parts of the world. So I think Linux.com do a big list of worldwide mm. lugs as well. Yeah, but I think it's part- interesting in a lot of the mails they say we don't understand 90 percent of what you're on about, but they don't really ask they how the Linux bit. Yeah. They don't really ask how to progress, do they? They're but just like, you know, it's really fun and everything. Shame I don't understand 90% of it. But they never really sort of say, how can I get more involved? I don't know whether it's just me, but when I first started using Linux, the one of the things I liked about it was that there was lots of things I didn't quite understand. So it was, it was interesting going out there and yeah. trying to find out yeah. about them. That's what got me as well. And that's when you kind of come into contact with lugs and things like that. And, I mean, for example, one of the first things I did was I did a directory listing of etc. Yeah. And just went and tried to find out what each of the files did. Okay. But that was most fascinating of <laughs> your entire life, wasn't it? But it was... No, but important. But it, 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 it was interesting, because this whole thing was new to me. Mm-hmm. And the main thing I'd say is, is engage in mailing lists and IRC and, and things like that, because that's where you find... Yeah, the, course, I mean, yeah. you've got to go and find where the community hang out. And go to conferences. To and you've got to find the right community as well. Because, I mean, you can go to some lugs and it's just really dry and dull. Yeah. And the yeah. same with some IRC channels, you know, just blown around in the wind. Yep. No what? one answers your question. One Come to the Lug Radio channel. I think I think you should. I mean, yeah, hashtag radio on IRC. Brilliant. Freenode.net. Awesome channel. There's something awesome. called forums, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Forums. Forums. Radio. Radio. Somebody told me about it, yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I think you could do to to get involved is um, when you, whenever you run into a problem with any of the open source software you're using, file a bug report about it. Because, to be honest with you, that draws you in quite But they wouldn't know where to go well, to no, no, file no, a bug no, report, no, no. Would they? Exactly. Google. I mean, there, there, there is a point Google there. Is but your friend. If, if you look at the, the website for whatever it is that you're using, it's likely to point you to how to file a bug. 
And then if you file bugs on your things, you're likely to, from that, start getting involved in conversations and end up heading over to the mailing list. And it won't take, it won't take you too much effort of uh, filing a few bugs and learning a bit about it to become enough of an expert that you can help other new people. We've seen that that quite a bit in Wolves Lug. We've had, Adam is an ideal case in point here, and there's another couple of people on Wolves Lug list who were very new and quite inexperienced, but they've, they've done a, they've done a little bit of work to try and understand stuff, and now, they're, they're, ha- they're able to help other people. You don't have... It's, you know, Kingdom of the Blind, the one-eyed man is king sort of thing. You don't have to be that much... Yeah, definitely. ...that much beyond being totally new to the thing. But be enough of an expert to help people. You don't have to be Aid or Jono or whatever to help people out. What did it- you just say about a man with the one eye? In the Kingdom of the Blind, Classic the one-eyed statement. man is king. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is true. Okay. <laughs> um, I think asking noobs to file bug reports is a bit of a reach. I mean, come on. Okay. I mean, it I is first. I'd say for intermediate users, once of. I think the main yeah. thing is is being um, is be aware it, of it. But I think yeah. the main th- the, way, the main way you engage with the community is to is to show up regularly at, at either IRC channels or yeah. post regularly on lists or or forums or whatever. Yeah. Because it's when you when people st- it's like the, it's like the theme music from Cheers. You know, when everybody knows your name. <laughs> <laughs> then you start becoming part of that community. Got a lump in my throat right now, and that's it. You know, but the Look Radio community is a great place to start because the hard if thing. If you don't mind a bit of swearing, the hard thing. For, but uh, they listen to the show. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd say the hard but thing. They're probably writing an email at the minute saying, "Is the swearing really necessary?" <laughs> the hard thing is when you start out is finding a community that's kind of you get on with. I'd say because some communities are very, very formal, like you said earlier on, are very formal yeah. and dry and all the rest of it. You've got to be pretty lucky to hear someone first time round. Yeah, um, I think really, if you're looking to get involved in the community, you should look start looking at where the community focuses, where where they come together, which is either geographically or by distribution. So look, yeah. look at your what's on in your area. That's the lug, or look at what where your distribution focuses which is the mailing lists the IRC channels yep. uh, the Web forums. forums yeah I mean IRC- Ubuntu have got Ubuntu <coughs> forums.org that kind of yeah. Fedora presumably got a similar thing yep. IRC channels and forums particularly are quite easy to get involved in how do you find out where they are I think that well Google, Google. The, I think that's probably but it, but although we don't use Google now because they're evil again right <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's the thing that probably most new people don't know. There's no link between being a new, new person and then knowing where to go. There's got to be something, something in the middle. I, I came through a magazine to Wolves Lug. You came through a magazine? <laughs> I didn't tell you a magazine. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Wolves Lug was in the back of Penthouse or something, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> that was uh, Posh Wives, actually. <laughs> Over 40s. Um, yeah, but the, the, you've got to have that knowledge... To, in the first place, to know where to go and look, uh, the easiest way to do it is think about what you're going to get involved in, yeah. and then Google if you don't know where you, anywhere else to look. I or think, Yahoo. I'd, I'd say one of the hardest things for, particularly from running Walls Look and seeing new people join Walls Look, one of the hardest things that people have found is knowing how to fit into a community because mm-hmm. there really isn't any kind of yeah. There's there's things written up about etiquette and all, all that kind of thing. I mean, a good example here is Peter Cannon. When he joined Wool's Lug, a lot of people took him the wrong way because he didn't really know how a community like that works. So I'd say one of the, the things is just get a feel for the community yeah. that you're in because he responded badly at first and then he learned that he'd responded badly and kind of got used to it. And now he's a brilliant member of, of, yeah, of Wool's Lug. Yeah, uh, initially... 
but maybe join your community and maybe sit there for a week or two and just observe its habits. Otherwise, you're yeah. going to step straight into the bonfire. One man's good community is another man's not so good community. Yeah. You've sure, got to find yeah. a community that's right for you. Yeah, there mean, are a lot of bad ones if you end up in the wrong. Well, place. it all depends on your perspective. I mean, some people like dry and formal, you know. Yeah, exactly, and that's why it's a good idea to just <laughs> explore different things, isn't it? And the other thing I'd say is is part of being in the open source community is sort of. Um, subscribing to the ethics so for example when you find something that you think is cool or you know about write it on your website if you've got mm-hmm. one yeah. or if you've got a blog on blogger or whatever write about it and then that encourages people to come to your I website and know about it and that's another it. way into the community uh, yeah. if you can read developers blogs if you like an application you're using why don't you go and look at its website and it'll tell you where to file bugs it'll tell you where the IRC channel is yeah. it'll tell you the mailing list or a forum just post comments to the blog entries as well yeah. just yeah. pick an application Encourage. That, that you use a lot mm. look at the help menu about look at the developers you can go and, go and read their blogs search their names on Google or Yahoo's as you say a minute ago someone emailed me a couple of weeks ago saying yeah. how do you know who are the the kind of the movers and shakers in the open source community. You listen to Log Radio. And listening to Log Radio is obviously <laughs> the first choice. And here, here are the four. <laughs> oh, and Matt, obviously. But I'd say one of the main ways is to read I'm planets. Matt and so is my wife. Go to planetplanet.org and look at the planets down the side and pick one that you're interested in, such as Planet Gnome or KD or whatever. And that lists all the movers and shakers and what they're doing. And that's a great way to know who's working on what and getting a feel for who's involved and to what degree and all the rest of it. So. Absolutely. Okay, so we've got another new segment for you. Um, it's possibly not going to last that long. <laughs> and it's going to be called... What the fuck? Book truck. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, nice. I can't believe we're calling a segment, What the Fuck Book Truck. So each week, um, well, each week, each fortnight, one of us will recommend a book on open source and it, the philosophy behind it. It's, it's like a really cool mobile library called uh, What the Fuck Book Truck. <laughs> Um, Except for it's not particularly cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or indeed a book truck in any it's way. It's a book truck. <laughs> anyway. It's more important so than what the fuck book Adam truck. Adam Venus is here this week. He's going to go first and uh, over to Adam for his recommendation. Right. I'm going to talk about Rebel Code by Glyn Moody. Uh, I think it was published in 2001 and wow. probably I read it about a year or two after that. Um, okay. This book is, well, first of all, it's excellent. I really enjoy it, actually. Uh <laughs> But it, it really, I find it quite inspiring so, to... So, what, the author, I mean, what have they done in, in the open source world? I mean, have they, are they a know. writer of something? Spoke or? to people? Right, I've, okay. I've heard yeah. of Glyn Modi, although I'm not sure why. It might be because he wrote Rebel Code. Yeah, I, I recognise the name. Yeah. It, um, I don't know what he's done. He sounds remarkably like the producer of a Clash album, but I don't suppose <laughs> that matters to anybody else apart from me. But, <laughs> so uh, you've, you've read it a couple of times, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it matters to you more than it matters to Joe fucking Strum. I can't yeah, I guess it does. I mean, he's dead. It doesn't, matter to, it doesn't matter a whole lot to him anymore. Uh, yeah, there, it's, there is it's, really, it's a book for people just getting into Linux and really want to know where it came from and where what's happened over the couple of years, the kind of... The evolution, really. Yeah. Uh, it's not so technical that you wouldn't be able to understand it. It, it lays out the technical terms in easy-to-understand yeah. ways. Uh, it, it's fascinating. I found it quite inspiring to read because it, it really opened up the Linux world to me and so kind of we, made we, me think. So it's the sort of thing that you could give to... Um 
people who just have only ever known Windows so far. They've yeah, started definitely. to see a bit of freeware, they've started to see a bit of open source, and it just sort of explain the difference. So it explains the whole community and how things yeah. work. It, and it's basically yeah. a chronological story about how Linux came to be, starting with Linux at university, uh, Linux, Linux at university, <laughs> uh, starting out with just a fancy terminal emulator and turning it into a kernel, and then yeah. getting lambasted by Andrew Tannenbaum on the Linux. I'm reading that at the moment. Is it enormously out of date? Uh, that, this is probably the one downside of the book, to be honest. I mean, the version I have is published in nine, 2001. It doesn't necessarily right. matter that it's out of date. But it's a historical the, book. The, 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 here's the problem with that, is that it happened just. It was published just before the dot-com bubble burst. So right, it's a little gotcha. bit rose-tinted. I mean, it talks a lot about VA Linux, who went pretty much tits uh, up yeah. right. <laughs> fairly, fairly quickly afterwards. Yeah. But it's, it discusses the uh, the IPO thing, where they yeah. put all, all the shit... All the, shares were made public yeah. and so on uh, it's a little rose tinted because maybe a year later everything went a bit more went horrible down the shit, I yeah. guess. It, a lot of books seem to have that perspective a lot of books about that seem to come out around the same sort of time where everything was kind of growing everyone was expecting this big open source revolution mm-hmm. before it all went balls up mm-hmm. and, and you can tell they're all expecting the big open source revolution because in every single one of those books the words open source and revolution <laughs> the, <title. laughs> yeah. the funniest thing is Rebel is, um, is that uh, Revolution OS yeah and yeah. the way that it's the, the bloke who used to work, run is it Ransom Love who used to run VA is that a name? I think so. I think, I think was, was it was it Ransom Lord? It's someone like that. He used to run VA, and he's like walking around. Larry, this, somebody. Larry Augustine. Larry Augustine. Yeah, and he's and he's walking around this parking lot, saying, "And my <laughs> office was here." And <laughs> no more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Rebel Code by Glenn Mooney. Yeah, it's. A re- I, I really recommend it for people just getting into the Linux world and want to know the, where Linux came from and how it came mm. to be as it is today. Wicked. Listen cool. next time for the next recommendation on. What the fuck, book truck book truck? <laughs> <laughs> so once again, it's the end of the show. It's that sorry time, isn't it? It's the it end is of the indeed. show. The show ends. Thank so, you and good night. <laughs> no, 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 we have emails this week. We do have we are many not such lazy shits as usual. Thank you for your great emails. We've had some really good ones for the last couple yeah, of weeks. Again, so, we uh, have been inundated. Nice paper this week, by the way. It is. Yes, it's yes. Lovely paper. Thank the company for me. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Do you, want, do you want to kick it off, man of limited hair growth? Yeah. Okay, I'll kick it off. Um, I've got a huge email from a guy in Canada. So obviously, I'm going to try and summarise it. Okay. Man of what? Limited hair growth. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so this is from Michael over in Canada. It says, uh, greetings from Ottawa, Canada. I love the show. I'm occasionally caught out with a case of log radio syndrome in my cubicle here at work. Yep. All right. Please keep it up. <laughs> Having found both Python and Ubuntu before trying a podcast, it was nice to find out that I'm not alone in liking both. All Although right. Hori was totally shit, I'm finding Breezy a little bit better. Cool. As a Python, I love it, but it would be nice if developers would stop adding useless shit into the language, uh, like list comprehensions and decorators. Uh, it goes on about that sort yeah, of stuff. You're right about decorators, wrong about list comprehensions. Okay. I Try still, using them, they're immensely useful. I still only use Perl because CPAN rocks. And, and he goes on a little bit, I'm just going to cut out a little bit here, because he does talk about um, the thing that we were discussing last week, and he gets it a little bit wrong, so I'm going to read it out. He says... Um, I had to comment on the last show and AIDS ridiculous analogy. <laughs> Is that why he got it wrong? Shut it. Um, knows he's great. I usually agree with AIDS. <laughs> Hang on a minute. He said, I usually agree with AIDS and his rants. 
my rants. Okay, <laughs> you um, every week, especially every week. especially when he's bashing gnome. But I really must disagree. He's bashing um, his gnome. <laughs> Does Matt complain when, when racism when racism is used as an analogy for proprietary software? Let me introduce you to the uh, logically logical fallacy known as the weak analogy. And he goes on to say, A is like B, and B has property P, therefore A has property P. So in other words, proprietary software is like racism, racism is evil, and immoral, therefore proprietary software is evil and immoral. Uh, my fucking chin is his answer to that. <laughs> now, Beard. Now, points for that, but I do believe we didn't actually make that analogy. Yeah, so, this, this, this is the point. I mean, yes, if we made that analogy... That would be wrong, yeah, but we, we didn't we make agree. that analogy, so... So, uh, we agree with you, Michael, but you were wrong. <laughs> yeah, so, my fucking chin turned back my, upon me. My fucking me. chin back at you, yeah. Uh, right there in the end, there's another line, actually, I quite like at the bottom. It says, um, quote marks, all software should be free, end quote marks. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was brilliant. So that's from Mike at Microsoft.com. <laughs> Mike at Rosoft. <laughs> Adam Sweet. Right, uh, the man, the legend. <laughs> I think nobody's Love going that. to like this more than Mr. Language himself. Mr. Big Lynch. grinning ginger. Bring it on. <laughs> right, first of all, he uh, Chris Davidson opens it by saying, for the love of my fucking chin, do not stop swearing, it just wouldn't be the same. Hey! But, uh, w- with regards to Axe Rant in Season 3, Episode 7, I'd also like to say to mention that I'm Last considering year. forming the Cult of Ack, or perhaps the First the Church of Language, of as his opinions and arguments are so sagely, and I also agree with everyone... Oh dear! If only he hated this Apple more oh, and was a bit more sissad. Hang on a minute. What's the IP address in that email? What's the IP address of that piece of paper? If you do a reverse DNS lookup, it, it is, is laughingginger at quyogenics.org. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's you? No, excuse me. The, uh, I, I, I have to address. be clear about this. I do, uh, I must confess, I do like occasionally reading some of these emails, but they are genuine emails from fans. My I don't make them fans. <laughs> this is the finest example of a chin. Are these fans <laughs> just some of your submerged personalities? No, actually they're use your all computer? actually real. <laughs> Thank you very much for your comments. Chris Davidson. So you're everybody they, there. Thank you very much, Send him a Thank you very photo. much Chris Davidson. We do appreciate these things. You appreciate them. So Chris. <laughs> I appreciate them. I was right and they were wrong, and I agree with you, Chris. Well said. Well done for that, having the courage to stand up and say that. <laughs> Chris, what do your parents think of you? My <laughs> enormous chin is what Go I Go and <laughs> wash your nose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've had um, uh, an email from Todd Caltonborn, um, who's known as the Bash Monkey. And uh, Todd's, uh, Todd's uh, started off by saying it's a great freaking show. He says, first of all, your show fucking rocks. I've only started, rocks. I've only started listening towards the end of season two, but find myself with the syndrome. Hey! hey. Um, already, <laughs> I hope you mean in lug radio syndrome, <laughs> not kind of some kind of horrific disease. Um, I've also had the syndrome while driving to work, must have looked completely mad, and also while at work, again mad. I do have a question, though. How do you guys feel about the whole Mac Intel thing? I have mixed feelings about it, and I was wanting your point of view. I could sum up my feelings in a three-letter word. What's your opinion, Aid? What could it be? Meh. (laughs) (laughs) My my opinion is very much the same that uh, Mr. Ben expressed on the forums about Apple in general, which is that it's about a proprietary operating system, and I don't care. Yeah, (laughs) That's it, really. Who cares? It's a processor, whatever. I mean, yeah, you know, I still prefer an X86 box with Linux on it. It's not exactly gone open source, has it? It's some proprietary shit. Running on, on some other... Pro- running on a processor. And you're I probably mean, still going to... I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming there's going to be a degree of bodging around to get Linux running on it no, anyway. Red Hat have said they're going to support it. 
Yeah, but does that involve bodging around? Do, are, are, are Apple basically oh, saying, imagine. you can run other operating systems on this, or is there basically a fudge to get it working well, at Red Hat? Red, 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 Red Hat have committed to saying, we will support Red Hat on MacBooks. the new Mac Intel boxes. I don't know whether they know how they're going through that, or whether they're just making a commitment and then thinking, hope we're actually able to meet this commitment. Oh. But they have said that they're going to um, But why would you spend it? money on Apple hardware? The one, the one good side, I'd say, um, from my own personal perspective, is that for advocating software, it's really great to show have one machine with Mac OS X, Windows, and Linux on. So you don't have to carry around three different machines. Whether you'll be able to run Windows on it is another question, mind. Yeah. From what I remember reading, there's some forthcoming technology from Intel. No one was sure if it would be ready by the time the Intel Mac ships. EFI. Is that all that stops you running another yeah, operating it, system on it? No, no, no. Sorry, it doesn't stop you running another operating system. It's just the EFI stuff, which is in... I don't really know what EFI is, um, but the Linux support for it isn't great. Right. right. So basically, the Red Hat are going to have to try and form a club foot around... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, what? a club foot. What the fuck's a club Foot. Is it like a club sandwich, but a foot? <laughs> Sounds like some kind of foot disease. No, it's just when you've got to fucking ass-fuck yourself to solve a problem, isn't it? <laughs> That's one way of putting Sorry, it. everyone. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. Raising the Geek. tone, I do apologise. <laughs> um, we got an email here from Christian Gross. Uh, it's called On Racism and Fanaticism, except he's actually spelled racism wrong, so it's On Racism, which is presumably like Sim City and things like that. Where well, you go around building up like little Ku Klux Klan places. <laughs> That's nice. a shit game, isn't it? <laughs> he says, okay, so I listened intently to your belief in open source. I was interested in it because I'm a speaker, author, etc. in the open source, to, in the, sorry, in the software development industry. And let me say that indeed you need to be fanatical and wholeheartedly, whole, wholeheartedly, yeah, agree with the comment that it's important to be fanatic. Being fanatical <laughs> and very importantly rational creates a vision that people want to follow. It's human nature to admire people with a vision, hence why people like RMS are known. Which is, I think, a good point. You don't have to be a fanatic to have a vision, though. Uh, well, as long as you said being to, sensible. To, to, a, to a large extent, you have to be quite fanatical you about... Your vision it. doesn't, itself doesn't have to be a fanatical vision. You have to be quite fanatical about the vision. In order to you've got to be excited about your own There's a difference yeah. between being excited and committed and being fanatical. Well, you just I, say I, being I, sensible. I think every community needs it fanatics, otherwise you'll, you, never, you, you can't play in the middle of the road unless you've seen the far side. No, I mean, you've got to have people to stand up and be figureheads. Adam, yeah. have you really? seen the far e- side? E- even, <laughs> even if they're a figurehead that everyone can then step away from. I mean, you mentioned the clan earlier. The clan quite neatly define where you need to not go. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean... But it's okay to play in the middle of the road on racism. Is that what you're saying? What? No, no, no. No, <laughs> no the point was you've got fanaticism there. If, if, if there hadn't been... I can't believe we can drag into racism discussion again. <laughs> no, um, what he's, it, say, what uh, he's the, saying is that the, if the people like the Ku Klux Klan show what... Sh- shows, shows the opposing side. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> I suppose, like, are you basically saying that fanatics basically show... Either side basically show the extreme good and the extreme bad side, and you then have more of a middle-of-the-road perspective? It, it means you don't have to theorise about how bad it yep. could get. Or how good it could be. What's, what's this guy's name? Them, yeah. <laughs> what's this guy's name? Uh, Christian Gross. But Christian name. sounds like he's saying, you've got to admire the fanatics, so therefore you've got, it's all right to stay on that far side. Which oh, but, but, but fanatics but doesn't equal extremists. No, you can be fanatical about something middle of the road. Yeah, you, do, you don't have to be. It extremist. all depends on definition, doesn't it? Because I line up. <laughs> you, really. see, you see, you hear the word fanatic and think extreme. That's yes, the problem. But, yeah. but you can be perfectly fanatical about being ordinary. Yeah. I could be fanatical about a Kit Kat bar. <laughs> you often are. <laughs> Next <laughs> email. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Christian. you. No, very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, Aaron Wolf or Aaron Wolf writes in. 
Wolf. He says, hello, I enjoyed your show regularly since I ran across it a few months ago. You guys are always so entertaining. Run over it in his car. Run over it in his car. That's what he says, yeah. <laughs> run over Matt. Maybe you run over it in the, uh, the, the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. He says, you guys are always entertaining and even insightful on occasion. A bit of a smiling. Yeah, I'm only here once every six months. (laughs) Beard. Yeah, yeah. That's what he meant, actually, Adam, yeah. (laughs) He said, I'm primarily, I'm the primary developer of an open source project called TuneQ. And that's tuneq.sf.net. It's a source source forge project. Uh, Okay, so he says, TuneQ basically builds around IceCast to create a complete online radio station, providing you a pretty web interface and a backend which controls what IceCast streams in a variety of ways. And there are examples over on his site. Now, the reason I'm not going to read his site out is because of his next paragraph. So he's got a dilemma. He says, my dilemma is that this project started as something for me and my friends to listen to music with. And the content on my site is not exactly licensed or legal, really. (laughs) As more and more people get interested in the project and want to try out the software, I'm getting uncomfortable with everyone coming over to my site. I have really no idea of the legal issues behind broadcasting this music on the internet. I think we all do. I think we all do. Just take the music off. Yeah, yeah. So that's what he's done. So he said, so I had the idea of creating a channel that allows people to try out the features of TuneQ, but only streams open content. Such as? By the way, Aaron, that's a really good idea. Very, very good idea. So then he goes, as you've probably guessed, I'm wondering if you'd be all right with me playing your shows on the channel. Uh, and if so, what are the requirements, etc., etc.? The requirements. Now, is this that you leads do it. quite nicely onto um, how we've licensed the show, um, <laughs> yeah. and the fact that Aaron is now asking for permission to use the show. To which we've all said, absolutely, well, first, go for first it. First of all, absolutely. Secondly, because he's non-commercial, he had the right to do it under the license anyway. He didn't even have to ask. But know, thanks for asking anyway. You know, yeah. yes, you can go ahead and do it. Thing is, I know there's been this enormous discussion on the forums um, about the license. Um, but we really are of the of, of the view. If you want to do something that conflicts with our license, and it's reasonable, just ask. Just ask, and we've never said no yet. Yeah, as, as that's a, not a challenge, by the way. Yeah, as, 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 a, as a broad um, primer to the thing, uh, you can do anything you like with the show as long as you don't change the show and you don't make money off of it. Either of those things contravene the license. But if you come to us and say, we want to do this and it involves changing the show, we're likely to say yes. Just ask us. Incidentally... But if you want to just take the show and stream it unchanged in a non-commercial yep. environment, exactly as Aaron wants to do, then go ahead and do it. You don't even need to ask us. Inc- incidentally, um, just as a related point, uh, the was it the first or the second episode was on Linux User Magazine on the cover disc? Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. The one with Mr. Ben in it. Yeah. That and was the article about you, wasn't it? Oh, uh, no, no, Lug Radio. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Written by Jono, for Jono, about <laughs> Jono. <laughs> you lying bastards. But they're available I in spoke to John, bookshops. I spoke to John from the magazine the other day and was said... Was he giving you the check? And I said, you know, stick the episode on every month if you can. So everybody, email Linux User and Developer Magazine and say you want Lug Radio on the cover desk. Excellent. And then so, we can get it on there. Good stuff. Thanks, Aaron. And remember, his site is over at TuneQ. That's T-U-N-E-Q-U-E-U-E dot S-F dot net. Illegal dot TuneQ. No, <laughs> not anymore. Uh, enough, remember. Enough of that. Mid-sweet. <laughs> right, I've got one here from David Neary. Uh, you guys will Dave talk. Neary! Dave Neary! Do you know him? From the gimp. Yes. Hey, oh, gimp there you go. He's a gimp. He's a wicked bloke. He's not a gimp, he's from the gimp. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's soon, he's soon to be on Planet Advocacy as well. Oh, cool. Well, look. Where could they find that? At Planet Planet? Planet Advocacy. 
www.johnobacon.org. Is it oh, is it on Planet Planet? Um, I've mailed them. It's not on there yet. Oh. Is that on Angel Four? I tell you what is on Planet Planet. Planet Log Radio, and that goes nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, <laughs> sorry. Carry on, David. Uh, Neary. Yeah, David Neary. Well, you guys know him. Um, <laughs> nice you, you guys were all talking about uh, getting more artists and graphic designers involved yeah. in Linux. So that he, uh, Dave Neary is going on about the Libre Graphics meeting going on in Lyon, France ah. on St. Patrick's Day weekend. Uh, that could be Libra Graphics meeting, but I'm from Wolverhampton. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, D- Dave... Uh, <laughs> is it Library Graphics? <laughs> <laughs> Libra. Libri. Libri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe we uh, should get our French listener to go and uh, review it for us. Bruno. <laughs> our one and only <laughs> French listener. Do we have more French listeners than just Bruno? French people, I speak th- up. I think, I think... Yeah, Dave says there will be... Uh, it was just about the GIMP originally, and now they've branched out to Inkscape, Scriber, Zara, and so on. There'll be mu- much Oh, Zara going to be there? Yeah. Really? Yeah. They're open source now. Inkscape. Yeah. Mm, I know, I've been following it. As well. There will be much beer drunk, and it sounds like a good bunch of fun. Oh, Ooh. hang on, if there's going to be beer there, I'm not going. No. Apologies to Dave Neary. He's mailed us a few times about mentioning it on the show, and we've never mentioned it. Ah. Uh, so uh, it does sound really cool. Suck. Before we move away from this, actually, if anyone's interested in going, Dave doesn't actually provide uh, a URL. So if you look up the Libre Graphics meeting, then you'll sure to find it somewhere. On your favourite search engine. It does look really which good. Which may or may not be Google. A bunch <laughs> of the, like, the leaders from these projects are meeting up together to talk about, yeah. about it. And, it does uh, look really It does sound really yeah. interesting. Um, <laughs> we, had, we had um, an email from Brennan Gullery, um, whose subject line is Chin Software and C. Whatever that means. Etc. It means. What, and C? Yeah. Ampersand C? Yeah, because the... Uh, the ampersand is E-T, as in A, you know, huh. Latin for... Uh, I didn't know that. Et. He says, thanks for the explanation of chin a few weeks ago. <laughs> as a listener God. from the States, I had assumed it referred to the placement of testicles. What, what? You, call, what you call bollocks in your language, I That's believe. That's what they're called. <laughs> as in, quote... Your balls will rest on my chin before I believe what you just said. <laughs> Unquote. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I'm glad I gave you the explanation. Now, that would have perhaps been a better explanation. Although that is completely, completely wrong. It's actually a very good, <laughs> good yeah, way of it. Does make it's, sense. it's along the right lines, really. When I read that for the first time last week, I absolutely pissed myself. <laughs> As it, your balls will rest on my chin. Um, he says, regarding the place of software in our society, it's true that there are many things more important and vital to a just society than the manner of software development and distribution. However, it is unremarkable to conceive of a future where almost nothing is more important, as hardware and software may influence our very sense of consciousness. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean... He was listening to Marillion that day, wasn't he? I, I agree with him. He could do with, you know, putting down the spliff for a second. Wasn't that, I agree with Wasn't that the prologue to The Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> he says, by the way, please don't refer to me as a yank. Uh, as a child of the South, I would rather you refer to me as an inbred mutant, <laughs> or even better, a coon ass than a yank. There you go. Thanks <laughs> very much. Southerners don't you like inbred me being called mutant. Yankees. Thank <laughs> you much, you inbred mutant. <laughs> Are you listening to us? Oh, you're looking at the woman in the red dress. <laughs> <laughs> Next email. You took both pills, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then half another pill, I think. Next. Um, next email is from Canyon Russell. Uh, and it's about the artists. Uh, His name's Canyon. Apparently. It might, it, it might be 
Russell Canyon, <laughs> and the email client's done it the wrong way around, but I don't think it is. I think his surname's Russell, and his first name's Canyon. <laughs> He's got a, a last cycle plot. <laughs> right. Um, and he says, uh, he agrees what, with uh, what was said about art people and open source, um, but he thinks we missed something. ESR's concept of the bizarre is that people can be motivated by recognition more than just by paying the bills. The idea being that if... Um, uh, programmers can go and work on small open source projects they can make a difference there they might get invited to work on Python or Apache or whatever um, but um, people want to be able to say I wrote this thing and it's important mm. and if we want an artistic community we need that kind of recognition we need people to say I helped theme the new evolution or I designed the new ACPI logo yeah. and icons and have that genuinely respected just as we would and be Koga. proud of it yeah. yeah I mean I think this is what the Tango project are trying yeah, to definitely. you know they're building a new set of icons for everything and I think if artists got involved in that they could say oh, I was part of the Tango project now it's on every Linux desktop it's it's yeah. it does now. seem like That's a great yeah. place to start as well so artists go to the Tango project yeah exa- exactly um, he, he goes on to say a lot of other things <laughs> which won't be read <laughs> which, 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 which won't, won't be read because we're only an hour and a half show but thank and we've you, got four minutes left thank you okay. very much <laughs> thank you very much indeed Canyon Russell oh, we've got four minutes right I think okay. so uh, we're running I have a letter from Mr Zero DNI right I don't know if it's his real name but I can tell you one thing English isn't his first language <laughs> so um, you his mean name, his name's Jacob is his you actual bastard <laughs> what's that you you bastard you arrogant Inbred mutant. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll read the email. Right. I don't agree that Gentoo sucks, but I have used it for a while. But after having installed it, I just install software as and when I need it. And using Gentoo, this is a very hard thing to do because it takes such a long time to compile everything. This is a very long sentence, by the way. Oh, my um, God, the whole email is one <laughs> sentence. Yeah, I'll, I'll just get to the bit that I, I just liked. can't read properly. It's not the bloke's fault. <laughs> I get to no, the punctuation is, an in, is a complete mystery to this guy, as far as I can tell. <laughs> so so this, is, this is an opinion of whether you should use Gen 2 or not, right? So he says... Um, I'm just going to... Aid reads with his finger. <laughs> I'm trying to, yes. He's used a piece of paper to look at the right line. Stop if that. compiling gets your knob off, <laughs> <laughs> then get Gen 2. If you like girls like I do, then use binaries. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your index finger there, <laughs> Mr. Langridge. He might not know about punctuation, but he knows the words gets your knob off. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he, does, <laughs> he, he does, to be frank, speak the wisdom, <laughs> to be honest with you. He's over at zerotech.ath.cx. Cool. Mr. Right. Sweet! I'm sorry for butchering your email. I'm just going to run through this one quickly because it's kind of long. Um, Matthew Curran uh, writes in from Rhode Island, USA. He's going on about where have we been for the last 20 years? You can do roaming profiles under Linux. You don't need to be a thin client user either. NFS your home You can just NFS mate your user home directory. Oh, this bloke speaks the same. Speaks the chin. Yes, he does. I think the problem he's missing is on any kind of reasonable network, unless you're going to sync your password files on every machine it ain't going to work uh, or, you, or you use NIS or something yeah, like that which and most right. people don't want to do that plus as a bonus unless they fixed it recently you can't do file locking in NFS can you 
You can't reliably no, lock, yeah, lock an NFS no, file, no, 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 which no. means that you can't have lock files in your home directory, which means nothing works properly. <laughs> <laughs> Wise, you speak the wisdom. Oh, no, wait. No, you speak the beer. <laughs> he, he, does, he does, however, come back uh, a little later and say one useful thing. Anyway, he goes on about uh, Windows. We <laughs> 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 speak shite and then says something useful. Uh, uh, he, goes, he goes on about uh, Windows, caches the files locally when he does, uh, does it over Samba, so on, so on, so on, so on. Anyway, he, anyway this underscores two different design philosophies in the Unix worlds we expect things to work and in the Windows work worlds they assume everything's broken there we go yeah, yeah that's it, I've got a very quick mail here I've got one more um, uh, from Mo West USA it's a very who, who flags up the problem that he's been having uh, uh, issues with on MP3s on his iRiver they play but the timings screw up yeah, now we've had quite we, we've, we've had quite a few people report that our MP3s are a bit weird the timings are broken or it'll get a certain distance into the MP3 and then stop or whatever and we, don't, and we don't know why. And we don't the timing's doing never wrong. worked on my eyes. So I've had it go wrong in totem by using the It's a variable so, bit rate, so no. though, isn't it? Isn't that what does it? I, I don't know. I mean, we'll we, look into it. We, we, we will look into it. We are looking into it. And we'd be interested to hear if other people are finding the same problem. Let us know. Do please let us know, because we don't know how serious a problem it is, and we I'm don't know what we're problem. doing wrong. Is that letting you know? Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'll show it like radio.org. <laughs> just to finish off, just to finish off, uh, I had an email from Chris Brown. Who is our good friend Smith? Chris Brown Crown. <laughs> yeah, it's Chris, Chris Brown with his brown crown. Uh, he, he says, please can Matt consider not saying IMO and other such leet speak nonsense as I start to think <laughs> I'm in a script kiddie forum trying to DDoS Google or something. And he can take the mickey out of shirtlifters all you want. Just leave us lifter of snacks out of it. Rascals. Oh, is that snacklifter? <laughs> yeah, yeah snacklifter. Snack He's a dude. Thanks very much, snacklifter. But Matt is to hacksaw, so... <laughs> him Lee asked his mum <laughs> okay but why don't we uh, why don't we that'll do us for this fortnight yeah think. let's let's leave it uh, forums leave, it, will you? leave it forums.logradio.org are you not going to mention the magnificent Log Radio line yes <laughs> Sarah Ewan's confirmed hooray yes. we've also had she confirmed last year though didn't she eh? see log, ah. see logradio.org slash live yeah we've had a couple of, of, of speakers Lugradio.org slash live. Yeah, gotcha. Go there. And uh, we've had a couple of extra speakers confirmed and more boffs coming through and everything. Oh, yes. It's all coming together. Keep it going. And, All right. Uh, we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. See you later. <laughs>